welcome to the jar. We are happy that you're here for Easter. Happy Easter, everybody. Um, just a few announcements. My name is Dawn, and um, just bear with me. We have just a few announcements. So in your program, you have a Connect card that looks like this. Um, there's a couple ways you can fill this out. You can fill it out by hand or on our smartphone app. So if you just go to your Play Store um, or your App Store, you can download our app, and it's a really great way to stay connected. There's stuff for the calendar. There's ways to take notes for the teaching, and you can fill out this Connect card as well. If you do it by hand here, we're going to ask that you put it in the offering bag here in just a few minutes as that comes by. We're not going to stalk you or knock at your door. <laughs> um, we're just wanting to stay connected with you. So if you're new here or if you've been coming for a really long time, we just ask that you fill that out. And also on the back, there's a place for prayer requests. Um, we pray for those each week, and those are held in confidence. So just slip that in the offering bag as that comes by here in just a bit. If you are new here and haven't had a chance to go by our guest connections table, um, please stop by. We have a free gift for you, no strings attached. We just want to answer any questions that you might have and give you a free gift. So, also, if you're new, we have something really cool in the next couple weeks. It's on April 15th. It's called First Steps. You may be wondering things like how the jar gets started, where did the name come from, who's this Chris guy, um, what do I do next? So April 15th, after second celebration, we have First Steps with Chris. It's a way for new people to meet other new people and also to meet Chris, and lunch and child care is provided. Um, normally, that doesn't take more than about an hour, and you just have lunch and get to know new people, and it's a great way to get connected. So make sure you mark your calendars for that. Also, if you're new or if you've been coming for a really long time, um, here at the JAR we like to have fun. We have some wacky and crazy people. Um, so we have our wacky bowling night. It is on April 6th, and that will be at the Liberty Bowl. It's only $5 a person, and it's a great way to just connect with other people. You get to, like, switch lanes and do all these crazy bowling techniques, and it's really a lot of fun. So mark your calendar for that. It's a great way to connect with other people. So at this time, I'm going to invite the greeters to come forward. If you're new here, we don't want to pressure you at all. Please keep your wallets and purses to yourself. Um, we just want to get to know you, so drop that Connect card in the offering bag. If you call the Jar Your Church home, just um, please give as God has given to you and just how you feel led to give. So please pray with me. God, thank you for today, and thank you for all the blessings that you give us. Um, thank you for the resurrection and just that we can have freedom and new life in you. I just pray that you would bless this offering, that it would help to love those in the community, and um, that people would get to know you through our outreach, Lord. Just pray that you would be with Chris as he teaches today, and just let his words be yours. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Next week, I am beginning a brand new series called When God Doesn't Make Sense, okay? And so uh, if you're looking at that, sometimes when we think of the events of the world, sometimes things don't make sense. So it's a great way for you to invite someone uh, to have them hang out and to be a part of uh, what God uh, is doing. And so next week, uh, please come and bring a friend. There's a little invite in there as well. Uh, you like my magnifying glass? Pretty cool. Took me five hours to uh, make that. Not really. Uh, but uh, there was a guy in the church. Took him eight hours to build all this. Um, and I let him know in January he got it done. Um, if you would, all of you received a magnifying glass uh, when you uh, walked in. If you could pull that out, um, you'll need it here in just a couple of minutes. And uh, we would appreciate you looking at that. Um, now, let me ask you this question. What is the purpose of a magnifying glass? Anybody know? It's to see small things in a bigger way, okay? It is to make small things look bigger. When my uh, two girls 
uh, were toddlers, uh, we would come up to them and we'd go ask them, well, how big are you? And they always loved to do this. They'd go, Daddy, I'm this big. And there would be this sense of like, you just don't know how big I am, how huge, how vast I really am. But this is not a scientific response, folks. I mean, uh, you can't use this in every context. For instance, if your wife or your girlfriend comes up to you and they say, Honey, um, how big do my hips look in this dress? You don't go, I think they're about like that. I don't know. Yeah? Wrong answer, folks. Wrong answer. Um, But for some of you, you may be sitting there today and you're like, Okay, uh, big magnifying glass. We get a magnifying glass. But what does this have to do with Easter? What I want to do is help explain today that it may have a lot more than what you think. You see, for thousands of years, human beings have been trying to figure out, does God exist? And if God does exist, how big is he? Is he big enough to help me with my world? And this morning, what I want to do is I want to ask the person who is sitting in your seat, how big is your God? How big is your God? Now, if you would, what I'd like you to do is to pull out your magnifying glass, and you're going to find the answer to our big idea this morning. If you brought your program in on the teaching outline at the very bottom, if you pull that out, you can actually find the answer to our big idea this morning. So if you pull out your program at the very, very bottom, if you use your magnifying glass... You can figure out what it is, and the first person that sees it, yell it out. Okay, God is bigger than you think. Now, I realize some of you are going to spend the rest of the time trying to figure out, can you see that? Or, what is this? How does it turn? But that's our big idea for this morning, and you can fill that in your program or on our JAR app. So you can go to the the app store, the JAR Community Church, and uh, click that as well. And you can find that. How big is our God? God is actually bigger than you think. You know, I'm convinced that the way that we live our lives will be a direct consequence of the size of your God. But the problem that most of us have is that our God is just too small. We're not totally sure that we could place our lives into his hands and that he would absolutely, perfectly, safely take care of us. My senior year in high school, uh, there was a movie that came out called Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Anybody remember that show? If not, you can Google it and watch it. I've done through this one, so if you get bored, you know, start watching a little bit of it, okay? Um, But anyways... uh, The whole concept of this movie is that this scientist actually has uh, a project of shrinking things. And his kids get in the midst of this, and these normal-sized kids actually get shrunk down to the size of a spoon. You know, I think for many of us, in our lives, if we were to think about it, it could be made into a movie, and the tagline would be, we've shrunk God down. We have reduced him in size and importance in our life. Because tomorrow morning, when you wake up, folks, if you have a shrunken God, when problems hit your life, what's going to happen is you're going to start feeling anxious 
And you're going to start feeling worried and upset because you think this whole big world that we live in and your life depends upon you. For when human beings begin to shrink God, what they do is they give up way too easy, they live without joy, and they're in the midst of their suffering, they feel no hope. I mean, the little God syndrome, eventually, folks, what it does is it leads to doom and gloom in our lives. And God must realize that we would have a tendency to make him smaller than what he actually is, to shrink him down. And so, he did something. What did he do? He said, well, I'm going to send my one and only son to come to planet Earth and to love people so amazingly that he would even go to a cross and die upon a cross for all of your sins so that you wouldn't have to carry them. All your mess-ups, mistakes, flub-ups, screw-ups, you don't have to carry them anymore. They'll all go on my son. You'll be set free and he'll die. And then three days later, what we're celebrating today is that he rose again for new life so that you could have eternity with him. And God is big enough to do that. But the question is, what about your God? Is your God a small God, a shrunken God, or is your is your God big? How big is your God? Now, in order to answer this question, it's totally dependent upon what you're magnifying. What is it in your life that you are magnifying? And this is the truth, I think, for many of us. We tend to magnify one of two things, and the first thing is our problem. We magnify our problems. The disciples understood this. Jesus dies on a cross and they're all ready to run away. Because if you look at the cross, there are two thieves on each side of the cross, but in the center of the cross... Jesus dies before the other two thieves. And in the midst of that, you have this empty cross and the disciples felt empty themselves as if they were dead, as if there was no sense of hope. They shrunk God down. They begin to start only listening to the fact that he's no longer there. And Saturday morning comes and they wake up and it's so silent. I don't even think they went to bed that night. They're so silent that the only thing that they can hear is the crowd yelling out loud from the day before, Crucify him! Crucify him! And their dream was dead. And they started thinking, was this just a waste of our time? Was Jesus a fake? Was Jesus a, uh, Jesus a facade? None of them wanted to say this, but I think deep down in their hearts, they're trying to come to grips with this unfathomable thought, Jesus failed. He failed. We gave up all of our lives for him, and he failed, and their dream died. Plus now, his death brought on even more problems, problems for them, because this is what happened in that culture. If you were following a leader and the Roman government saw them as a problem, you became a problem. And if you became a problem, then maybe you would get exactly the penalty that he received. Arrested, beaten, put on trial, crucified on a cross. And they start magnifying this problem bigger and bigger and bigger. 
The very ones who said, we'll never leave you, we'll never forsake you, Jesus, they took off. And the reason is, folks, I really believe, is that they got their magnifying glass out and they looked at their problem and it became so big that it overwhelmed them. Do you ever do that with your problems? Do you ever take a problem, big, small, whatever it is, and pretty soon you start magnifying it to a point where you are totally overwhelmed to the max? It feels like life or death to you. How can I get through this? A couple months ago, I walked into our house, and all of a sudden, I started hearing this crying from upstairs. Don't punish me. Don't punish me. I'm so sorry, God. I'm so sorry, God. It wasn't my wife, by the way, okay? I know what some of you are thinking. Yep, I could see being married to you. It'd feel like a punishment, you know? And it was my 8-year-old daughter who was upstairs, and she's crying. And so I asked my 10-year-old as I walked into the kitchen, what's going on? She's like, well, Dad, Shiloh did something really, really bad. Jordan tends to be the prosecuting attorney of our family. So, <laughs> And I said, well, what did she do? And she said, well, she heard some kid at school say, what the H-E double hockey sticks? I'm not going to say the word, Dad, but do you know what that word means? I mean, what is that? And I said, I don't know what it means, but I think your mom does. Let's go ask her. (laughs) And so Jordan said, well, when she came home, she told me that word, Dad. And you know what I told her? I said, Shiloh, that is really bad. And when Daddy gets home, you're going to be punished. You're going to be punished badly. You're in big time trouble. Hey, she's a prosecuting attorney, man. You want them on, you know. So all of a sudden, Shiloh starts walking down the stairs, and she's crying. She's just overcome by everything. She's like, Daddy, I've got a big problem. i did got a big problem. I did something really bad. I'm such a bad kid. And I said, well, let's talk about it. No, Daddy, I don't even want to talk about it. so bad. I don't even want to talk about it. I know you're going to punish me, and I know Jesus will never forgive me. Well, let's talk about it. No, Daddy, I don't even want to talk about it. Well, tell me the word. I heard you say, no, 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 I don't want to say a word. I said, well, did you say the phrase, what the hell? (laughs) I said, is that what you said? She's like, yeah. And Daddy, uh, I know I'm going to get punished because Jordan told me I was going to get punished. I mean, it's bad. And I said, Shiloh, I said, do you know what that phrase means? No, Daddy, I don't. But you know our principal goes to our church and he might have said it too. I don't know. (laughs) And then I really had to start praying. You know, like, oh gosh. And I said, well, do you know what it means? She goes, no. And I said, well, honey, I'm not going to punish you. Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus doesn't magnify your sins, folks. He forgives your sins. You see, the problem with many of us is we're just like Shiloh. A big problem comes, and we magnify it to a point, and we think we're no longer worthy of God's forgiveness. The issue is, Jesus says, I don't magnify your sins, I forgive your sins. Maybe some of you today, as you're sitting there, the problem that you're magnifying is work. 
Your work has just gotten so overwhelming, and you just think, I can't do it anymore. I'm in a dead-end job. I'm dreading going to work every day. I have no passion for this whatsoever. Or maybe you've lost your job, and you're looking for a job, and you send out the resumes, and nothing's coming back. You're sending out the applications. Nothing's coming back. But maybe God is bigger than you think. Maybe your problem is your marriage or a relationship. It's strained. It's difficult. You keep hiding it, but you just wonder to yourself, is this going to work? I want to die. It's awful. It just can't be fixed. And maybe you don't think that God understands what you're going through, just like Shiloh didn't think anyone knew what she was going through. But maybe, just maybe, folks, God is bigger than you think. Maybe your problem is with your kids. You have an estranged kid who has walked away from the family and you're trying to put it back together, but you can't and it's tense. Or maybe with your parents, you have a struggle with your dad or your mom or someone else and you're not sure that it's ever going to get resolved. But maybe, just maybe, folks, God is bigger than you think. Maybe you have a problem with a substance abuse right now. It's huge in your life. You keep on trying to hide it from everyone else. And this is the truth, folks. When you hide sin, it grows the biggest in the dark. And you just think, well, I'm just going to keep doing this because I'll never get clean. I'll never get sober. But maybe God's bigger than you think. Maybe your problem is from your past. There's something you did. There's something you said. It's in the past, and it just eats you all the time. Every time you hear the word, every time you see the person, every time you're in that particular place or town, it just consumes you because you know you're defeated. But maybe God is bigger than you think. You know, many of us think that God doesn't see what's going on. You realize God has a magnifying glass from heaven looking at you because he loves you so much? He knows everything about you. He knows every hair on your head. Now, some of you guys, he doesn't have to use it very often, okay? (laughs) But there's not a problem that you go through, folks, that is unnoticed to him. He sees it. In fact, Scripture says this, You know my problems, God. You have kept a record of my tears. Jesus knows every single tear you cried. When you're hurting, when you're lonely, when you think nobody else understands, God understands. And we magnify our problems to the max, though. And what happens is we lose hope and we think there isn't a God because we've shrunken our God down. But maybe, just maybe, God is bigger than you think. Scripture says this, Give all your problems and cares to God, for He cares for you. He really does. So my question this morning for you is this. Will you magnify your problems? Or would you maybe take the risk to magnify the one who knows you best and loves you most? Is your God big or is He small? Because if He's small, you'll magnify your problems. If He's big, you just might magnify something else. And that's the second thing people tend to magnify, and that is God's promises. You magnify God's promises. That's your next fill-in. 
depending on how big your God is, folks, this is what will happen. You'll get the magnifying glass out of life, and you'll either magnify your problems or you'll magnify your promises. So how big is your God? Scripture says this, I often think of the heavens your hands have made and of the moon and the stars you put in place. Have you ever walked outside before, looked up at the sky and just seen nothing but stars and you're like, wow, like that is just amazing. It's huge. It's, it's more than I can believe. In the Milky Way, in our galaxy, it's thought that there are 100 billion stars. But there are so many other galaxies that they found with science that if you counted all the numbers of stars and suns that we can visibly see from our high-powered telescopes, they say it is two followed by 23 zeros. In other words, that's called 200 sextillion stars. Now, what was really bad, you guys are mature, but when I said sextillion, all of a sudden there were adults going, <laughs> Some of them, that's all they knew was sex, and they're like, hey, this church isn't bad, let's go back next week, honey, you know? In other words, this is the truth, folks. If you took every grain of sand on all of planet Earth, it doesn't equal what we get to see out in space. Here's a recent picture from the Hubble telescope. It's just massive. And the scripture says that God holds it all in his hand. You see what happens so often when we look at pictures like this or we look at the sky, we're like, oh, that's so big, that's so great. And what we do is we shrink God down. No, 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 no. It's absolutely the opposite way. God is so big and he actually holds all of that. What's it say? In his hand. Look at this next verse. Lift up your eyes and look at the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Folks, God looks up at that picture that you saw, and he knows them all by name. He knows every single star, all 200 sextillion of them. Now, I only have two kids, and sometimes I look around and I don't even know what to say. I yell at one of them. I just go, Jordan, Shiloh, your mother, whatever, get in here. Folks, God is bigger than you think. In fact, he's so big that he says this. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to worry. <laughs> now, for someone like me who tends to be a worry ward every once in a while, it's really hard to believe. And then Jesus, one day, he goes to his disciples and he basically tells them this. He says, my advice to you is don't worry about what you're going to eat or drink, what you're going to wear. If God takes care of the birds and the flowers, he'll take care of you. You know, just a couple of weeks ago, I was walking, and all of a sudden, I started hearing birds again. I was like, he does. He, he really does. He, he takes care of everything. And if he loves them, folks, how much more would he love his masterpiece? That's what you are. You're his masterpiece. On that first Easter Sunday morning, a big God came up with a big promise that he fulfilled. They thought he was dead. They thought he was gone. He's a fake. He's a facade. It doesn't exist. He just died and that's it. But then everything changed on Sunday morning. These women 
started running to the tomb because the disciples had given up hope. They're like, we're done. But the women kind of said, yeah, we're strong enough. We can do this. We'll go. We're going to believe one more time. They go. The, the tomb is empty. The stone has been rolled away. And all of a sudden they hear, he's risen. He told you he was going to do it. So go back to the disciples, the guys, and tell them the truth. And this is what it says. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid, yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. What did he say? Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Now, does that seem understated to you? The thing that Jesus says is, greetings. You just rose from the dead, dude. Like, why does he say that? Why why does he just say, greetings? It's almost like saying, hi ladies, how you doing today? A pastor asked a group of children one time, this question, what, was Jesus, what were Jesus' first words to the disciples after he raised them from the dead? And a little girl raises her hand. She's like, I know, I know. Ta-da, I'm here. <laughs> and folks, that's a really good translation. Because if you think about it, Jesus is like, why are you guys so amazed? Ta-da, I'm here. Because this is the truth about Jesus Christ, and you need to realize this. He fulfills every single promise. He fulfills every single promise. So the question is, will you magnify your problems, or will you magnify God's promises? I would like to uh, let you know that if you're new and you're here for the first time, this is a church of people who have a lot of problems. So if you got problems, you're in the right place. And I want to get real serious with you just for a moment. And I want you to see some of the problems that are in this church. One couple had this particular problem, a miscarriage. Some of you know what that's like. You've gone through that pain. They weren't planning to have kids. They just all of a sudden found out they were pregnant. They're so excited. And then they lost the baby. And six months went by. You know, six months isn't a long time. But when you're hoping for something so much, when you're really praying and you want a child so badly, it can feel like an eternity. And I was talking to this couple, and they said in the midst of their pain, though, they, they prayed for God to fulfill a promise. And this was the promise that they remembered. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. And not for disaster. To give you a hope and a future. And then I had the joy of seeing God do a work in their lives, and they were given a gift of a little baby boy. Now, you'd say, oh, great, nice little story, but that wasn't my case. You know what? It wasn't their case either, because you know what? They just had a second miscarriage in December. 
But two weeks ago, the wife called me and said, you won't believe it. I'm pregnant with twins. Now they've really got problems. You know what I mean? <laughs> you see, folks, this is the truth. God keeps his promises, and maybe God is bigger than you think. Here's another problem, somebody in our church. Addiction. There's a guy in our church who had been addicted to opiates for 10 years. Ativan, Vicodin, Xanax, anything he could get his hands on in that area of opiates. He stole, he broke into people's homes, he took things from his family, he borrowed, he did whatever he could to feed his addiction. He OD'd twice. The second time he almost died, except the Yorktown Police Department knocked in the windows to get into the car to save his life. And then one day, he just finally admitted, he's like, I can't do this on my own. And he showed up to our Celebrate Recovery. If you're battling an addiction with drug abuse or some other hurt, habit, or hang-up, you know what your next thing should be on your calendar? 7 o'clock, Celebrate Recovery. He just showed up there. Didn't have a relationship with God. But he called out, even not knowing God, almost a sense of like, God, please hurry to my rescue. God, come quickly to my side. And you helped me and you saved me. And, and God did. God actually reached down and saved that man's life. He gave his life to Christ. He got married to a wonderful woman that I was able to officiate at their wedding. And on March 18th, he called me and he said, guess what? Three years sober, dude. God fulfilled his promise because this is the truth, folks. God is bigger than you think. Guy in our church, his dad died just before the first of the year. Didn't have a great relationship necessarily, but felt like there was something missing now in his life. And the grieving came, and he lost his dad, but he's a Christ follower, and he said, you know, this, this scripture is something that has given me promise and hope. It says this, God is a father to the fatherless. God is a father to the fatherless. Some of you know what's that like. You have a problem, and all of a sudden, when it comes to the death of your spouse or a family member, you magnify it and it becomes overwhelming, and you're just overwhelmed to the max. And this is the thing, that God is a father to the fatherless, the motherless, the spouseless, whoever. This is what the Heavenly Father does. He reaches down from heaven because he's magnifying your hurts. And he's saying, just reach up just a little bit and I'll love you. I'll take care of you. I'll meet your needs. Because sometimes, folks, God is bigger than you think. Now, at this point, I know some of you are like, aren't you a little naive, Chris? I mean, because the reality is, I, I have a problem right now, and it's not going away. Seven o'clock this morning, I get a phone call from one of my good friends, and her mom had died. In a couple days, I'll be doing that funeral. And at first, I was so sad, and then all of a sudden, there was like 
this hope that changed in my mind. Her mom died on Easter Sunday. Like, isn't that ironic? I mean, I started thinking about, I hope I die on Easter Sunday. God? And she's no longer in pain and hurt. But the thing is, that family, their problems are huge. And some of you, I'm not naive enough to think that some of you have problems and you've tried stuff and you've prayed for stuff and you've worked at stuff and things just haven't changed. And so last story I want to share with you is about a problem that actually didn't get fixed. The promise never took care of the problem, and here it is. A couple in our church who are unable to have children. Ten years they tried. Three years, fertility drugs, surgeries, money, anything and everything they could do to have children, and it never came. And then for the past eight years, uh, let's say before the last year, so let's say eight years altogether, for seven of those years, this woman was in pain and loneliness and depressed. And I was talking to her this week, and she said, Chris, for eight years I felt numb. Have you ever experienced that before? You just have so much pain or hurt or problem or stress or anxiety. You don't even know what the next step is, but you just feel numb. She said, I just sat down. I was sad with life all the time. And then she said, finally, when I got to year eight, I finally was like, this has got to stop. And she remembered a scripture. It's the last words that Jesus said before he ascended into heaven. This is what he said. I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Did you know that's the number one promise in the Bible? It's not that he'll forgive your sins, although he will. It doesn't mean that you'll go to heaven, although he wants to do that to you. But the number one promise, the central promise in all of Scripture is, I am with you. And she said, all of a sudden, when I read that, I was like, I could turn this around and I could either focus on my problem or I could focus on God's presence in my life. And all of a sudden, things began to change. And she said, Chris, I didn't get what I wanted, but I got what I needed because I had been running away from God for so long, for close to 18 years, that finally His presence came into my life and the problem didn't change or go away, but I changed. And all of a sudden, His presence came into my life. And this is what's been really cool. Now her husband has started coming regularly. She's been praying for him forever. And they're coming and they're growing together. And life is filled with joy now. Now, let me say this. Does it mean that they never have moments where they wish they had their own biological children? Absolutely not. She said, we think about it. But she said, this is the truth. God has helped me to just visit that place of loneliness, not necessarily to live there. And some of you have problems that you aren't visiting. You're actually living there. And there is a God who loves you that wants to help you not magnify your problems anymore, but to magnify His promises. So what I want to do is I want to give you a moment right now just between you and God to get serious about what is that biggest problem in your life that you magnify. When you walked in, there was a little 
card that says, what problem in my life do I magnify? And I'd like you to pull this out right now. And this is just a moment between you and God. It's not with anyone else. And we're going to turn the lights down here in a second, so find your pen, find whatever it is that you need. And I want to give you a moment right now to write down what problem in your life are you magnifying. So we're going to cut the lights down right now to give you a moment. That way no one's looking at someone else's paper. And I'm going to give you an Easter gift because after this you're probably going to go do family stuff and kids and it's going to get crazy. But I'm going to give you a moment right now just between you and God to share what is that problem that you have magnified in your life. Write it down. Because when we name things, folks, that's when we realize that God just might be bigger than what we think. So take some time right now. Write down, what is that problem that you're magnifying? Maybe you're sitting there right now and you're, you're like, I'm not going to do this. This is stupid. I'd encourage you to do it because I think God right now is going to deliver some problems from people and they're going to feel God's presence. So just 30 more seconds. What is that problem that you've been magnifying? You know, it's an interesting thing about that word promise. There are a lot of people who just uh, make promises. Making promises, people do that all the time, right? I'm making promises, I'm making promises. But you know, the most important thing is whether or not you keep the promise. And there's a scripture that's on your magnifying glass, and we'll bring it up here. And it's Psalm 146, and this is what it says. Let's read it all out loud together. He is the God who keeps every promise. He is. And this is what I know, is that whatever that problem is, that if you'll lay it down today, if you'll surrender it to God, that He will begin to start working in the midst of that. Now, here's the other thing. You know what? For some of you, you know what your biggest problem is? You don't have a relationship with God. 
You don't. Maybe you've intellectualized him out. Maybe you've made a decision to just say, no, that's not me. But we've been praying for every single one of you. In fact, last night, we stayed here until 9 o'clock. Somebody prayed for the seat that you're sitting in right now. And we prayed that whatever problem you might have, you would release it to God. And we prayed for some of you that rather than just going through another Easter and pleasing mom or spouse or whoever, you would actually make a decision today. Because this is the thing, folks. God wants a relationship with you. You're the apple of his eye. You're his treasure. He loves you more than anything and everything. And so if today is a day where you're like, I want to give my one and only life to Christ. I've been trying to do it on my own, but I'm tired of doing it. I need his promises in my life. The problem that you wrote down is not your biggest problem, but it's having a relationship with God. And on the back, I would just invite you to write your name. And I'm going to be standing right over here. And no one's going to pray with you. They're not going to put you on a spot or anything like that. But if today's the day where you are ready to make it right with God, if you want to know that you can live a life of joy and that you have a home in heaven, today is the day. And I'll be standing right there. No one's, I'm not going to pray with you. But I have a Bible for you and a reading plan to get you started on your journey. And so if you're there right now, if you're at that point where you're ready to say, God, I need you. God, I'm ready to surrender my life to you. Then I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now. And it's a prayer that we're all going to pray together because no one in the jar ever prays alone. Now, for some of you who are Christ followers, you don't need to make that, but you want to surrender your problem today. You've been magnifying your problem way too much. It's it's consuming you, actually. You're overwhelmed by it. That today could be the day where you could surrender that particular thing. And as you can see, we have a little chest that's up here. And there are people in first celebration who surrendered problems to God. And I'm going to invite you to come up and actually put this as a sign of surrender. You'll just come down, give it, and then go back to your seat. But this morning, I'm telling you, there were people that were relieved because they didn't have to carry the weight of that anymore. They gave up their problem for God's promise. And so I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then if you have a problem that you're ready to surrender, you come up here and you do it. You just drop it here. No one's going to read them. I'm going to destroy them all. If you put your name on it, erase it and put the person you came with, their name on it, you know. Just joking, don't do that. But if today's your day where you need to come clean with God, to have a relationship with God, and the Holy Spirit has spoken to you, God's Spirit, maybe you don't even know what that means, but you just feel like, man, it's the right thing to do. I'll be right there. So let me lead you in a prayer right now, and I invite all of us to pray it out loud, but for some of you, you'll pray it for the first time. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, today I give my life to you. I want you. I need you. Forgive me of my sins. 
Give me new life. Today you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So if you would just come up. Problems here. You want to accept Christ. And the band will lead us and we'll celebrate in a gift of promise. So please stand. And whenever you're ready, uh, don't just come on up. I wanted to do this in the first, but I didn't want to freak people out. Here's your problems. This is what God says. I got it. I got it. Ta-da! I'm here. And God looks down from heaven today, and he loves you and says, don't carry those problems anymore. And just remember next week, this God character, he doesn't make sense all the time. So next week we'll start a new series when God doesn't make sense and we'll grow and we'll learn and invite someone else and celebrate Easter today. If you'd like prayer for anything, come on up. Uh, If you wanted to accept Christ but you're like, I don't want a lot of people to look, just come up, put the card in a little basket, pick up a Bible. If you had a problem but you just were like, ah, it's not too late, just open it up. I'll open it up for you and that's it. Um, Happy Easter. Know you're loved in this place. You can help with teardown, pick up your chair. That'd be great for us. Just bring them that way. Happy Easter, everybody. Thanks.